What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is journalist Caleb Catlin. We talked about white rappers, growing up with the movies Stomp the Yard and Get Rich or Die Trying, the beauty of Moonlight, the meaning of the Oscars, his favorite movie soundtracks, his article series The Good and the Ugly, rap regionalism, what constitutes realness in rap, and our favorite Lloyd Banks verses on R&B tracks. Come fuck with us. Spanish white rappers. There's only like three that are like, like it's Paul Wall, rest in peace, Mac Miller. And then I guess if I'm being nice to LP, I'll I'll include him. Surely I'm forgetting someone, but like. Weird Al Yankovic, you're forgetting Weird Al Yankovic. I'm never, I'm never (laughs) going to stop saying it. Weird Al Yankovic is one of the best white rappers alive facts and i mean the catalog is deeper than eminem mm-hmm. and, 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 and he did the fake eminem interview too which is not super funny anymore like he's he he, he was weird al was kind of like doing some edgelord shit with the with those interviews but either way like he's got more he's got he's got better music than eminem sometimes listen the bag is deep come on come on mm-hmm. he hit michael he hit the michael jackson bag like yeah. eminem couldn't do that he ain't drop a hot album in 20 years Nah. How you all? How you all time great? You ain't dropped nothing hot in twenty years. Like, and then on like, top of that, <laughs> and on top of that, Weird Al dropped his bi- like his last album was his biggest album ever. It was his first number one on the Billboard two. Like, come on, son. Like Eminem, like, I mean, like Eminem's had fucking like number ones on Billboard and shit, but like, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, he, 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 has, he hasn't had. He's not Weird Al. <laughs> Listen, people, listen, people are gonna these, eat us alive, and it's been like fucking five minutes already. <laughs> man, fuck these white rappers, bro. I don't like again. It's Paul Wall, Weird Al, Recipes, Mac Miller, and Always. I guess if I'm being nice, uh, like LP. But even then, like him and Killer Mike trade off them, them Transformers trailer blockbuster songs stop. or whatever. That's You're what not it is, wrong, man. But stop. I love that's what, I it, love that's what it is. Like Eminem got the Venom bag. They got like the, the But they also got John the Venom Wick bag. Drugs. They made they it they all, made a they made a movie thing. they made a song for Venom. <laughs> same thing then. So they oh, both man. they both got the Venom bag where Tom Hardy does like the bad acting and shit. Yeah. And, but like it's just silly enough for it to work. But shout out to LP. Um, I, I like like I've been listening to the what it happened was shit that Mike Eagle's been doing. Shout out to Mike Eagle and Stony Island one time because they're all really great. Um, and yeah, just like hearing a lot of those stories has been like LP is like like outside of Weird Al, like as as semi serious as I am about that. Like I would probably say LP LP and Mac are my two favorite white rappers, and Paul mm-hmm. Wall. Like yeah, yeah 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 like that those three. Yeah, that's my starting. I mean, come on, I mean, that's come my on. starting like, three. Like I, I told my pops, I told him about Eminem. I told him I was like Paul Wall better than Eminem, and he and he looked at me like I like inflicted the plague upon him or some shit. <laughs> like I would, I'm, I just told him I was like Paul Wall way better, and he like I don't know, like I said like a crime or something, but I was like he's clearly better. He was like, listen, you gotta lay down or something. And I, it's something about like the lyrical quote unquote idea. But like at some point you gotta start making good music after a while. Like it's been yeah. twenty like it's been twenty years. And if you wanna be nice, you can say 
Marshall Mathers LP too, but what that came out 2012, 2013. So it's been eight years almost. And it's also game. not good. It's not. And it's good. also it's not, not very. <laughs> but people people give that one credit, and I'm just like, all right, whatever. Let's say I give you that. It's been eight years, yeah. and he also dropped one of the worst rap albums in this century. Which Revival. one? Okay, revival. It, okay. As much as much as I don't like the um, the one with the Joiner Lucas song on, it, it's not like that's Kamikaze. I think. Why do I know this? <laughs> See, look at you. You exposing yourself. You getting your real nerd bag over there. That's crazy. No, nah, like you really know this rap shit. Like you, you mentioned in the Euro Drug references and esoteric. Like, bro, I couldn't remember that. Like I write, like I love this music shit. I live and bleed by it. But like, no, I couldn't recite Eminem bars on a whim. No, see, I can't recite Eminem bars on a whim that aren't from nothing past the Eminem. No, sorry, hang on. Curtain call because Shake That Ass is on Curtain Call, and I mm-hmm. do love that song, but it's mostly because of Nate Dog. Yeah, rest in peace to Nate Dog. Rest but, in peace uh, to Nate Dog. Yeah, like yeah, like that was the last time I gave a shit about an Eminem song was Curtain Call. And that was what, like mid two thousands? Like yeah, and that's again almost twenty years. Right, exactly. Like it's almost been twenty years. And like what's crazy about Curtain Call is it's got that fact song on it, and that is a war crime against the ears. Like it is awful. (laughs) It is terrible. Bro, it is the worst. And like, I don't know, it's supposed to be funny, but like, I don't know that hamster anal play is very funny, but what do what do I know? Maybe maybe the the white rap fans are come on talking about some fact is actually genius and da 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 like fuck out of here. See, like Eminem also really thought that bringing Triumph the Insult Comic Dog onto an album was going to be fun. Remember when he did that on Relapse? It's like a whole song with Triumph on it. Like, like what year is it, bro? Like, you giving me, you giving me like flashbacks and shit. And I'm not like, I'm not a fan at all because like I've, (laughs) I, I gotta be honest, I've completely blanked out what was on Relapse for most of my life. And now you brought that up, and now I can't stop thinking about. 20 years 20 years 20 years 20 years (laughs) damn we're already we're already going in so let me not even let me not even fucking be around the bush hi what's cracking welcome back what's up everybody (laughs) this is uh this is number this is real notes number 11 um we're chugging right along this is this is already this is already fire um this is uh you know every guest is special Wait, I forgot the other thing. My name is Dylan Green, Cinemaside, two names. I got a lot of names. Um, all my guests are special, but this guest is especially special to me because A, he's the first writer, the first journalist, the first uh, person with the pen that we've had on this joint. And B, he's just, you know, like a wealth of music knowledge and fandom and just like really one of the more passionate dudes that I've that I've met out here. This is, uh, this is, this is, this is, this is, this is my, this is my guy, fucking Caleb Caitlin in the fucking place to be on, on, on here. I'm very honored to have this guy as my first writer on here. So thank you, bro, for coming on my shit. Well, first of all, of course, I would, I wanted to get on here amongst the first episodes. Uh, for two, you almost nailed the intro. Catlin is the last ah! name. C-A-T-L-I-N. And like, I knew, I, uh... I don't know. Like maybe people 
you know opt for caitlin because like maybe there's an eye in there or whatever but i don't know like i kind of let it slide most times but i'm a i just wanted to point it out for future reference because i'm i will surely be a repeat guest um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and for three, yes, absolutely. I am amazing. I do the writing thing pretty well, if I say so myself. No, I'm, I'm, I'm bugging. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm pretty all right at the, at the writing thing. You kind of gassed me a little bit, so that feels good. Hey, man, you know, like, you know, like the, the great thing about being friends is being truthful with each other, whether that's correcting someone on fucking up a last name. Sorry <laughs> about that. Or, you know, just like, you know, recognizing good writing when you see it. You got you got a cool mind. You got cool stuff going on and you like movies and I like movies. So we're going to do this shit and we're going to have fun. I hope we're going to have fun. <laughs> I, I listen, I would hope we're having fun. I, I mean, I don't know if bashing Eminem is fun for the listeners and whatnot, but I mean, I'm having fun. This is, hey, this, is a easy, this is a pastime. I get the trash with one of the gassed rappers of the last 20 years. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you already know. You already know what it is. We're already having fun. So, um, so yeah, I'm going to ask you the first question that I ask everybody who comes on to my show, which is, uh, uh, what's the first movie experience you can remember? That could either be your first trip to the movies. It could be the first time you saw a movie at home, at your friend's house, at your cousin's house, at wherever, like your first movie memory. I can give you a bit of both. The first movie that I can really remember watching was, uh, I think I was like five years old and uh, Get Rich or Die Trying, the movie came on. That's the first one that I can really remember. And I remember that vividly because I could like have my eyes glued to the screen for the rest of it. But when the sex scene came on, you know, it was eyes of, you know, hand over the eyes or whatever, which, you know, at five years old, I shouldn't have been around that anyway. But, you know, 50 Cent back then, that was like my hero. Like, that's unstoppable. Unstoppable. Like, I didn't really get into superheroes like everybody else. Like, everybody was rocking with Spider Man, Superman, and shit. 50 Cent was my hero and 106 and Park was like my like daily show like that was like people have Regis and Kelly I had Terrence J and Roxy <laughs> but, yeah I feel like yeah no 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 finish your thought no. I'm sorry oh and I was just gonna say and then the the movie theater one uh was this is the only time I went during like my early early childhood was a stop the yard we've talked about this plenty of times oh yes we have yeah I I was a Chris Brown guy through and through you know my I was my age and you know clearly Chris Brown was like much older than me at like six or whatever but you know he had like a, a youthful energy to him so I was like yeah he's a kid I'm a rock with him I'm a kid and I bought that first album that was one of the first albums that I like begged my mom to buy and and uh yeah I don't know if I saw it on a trailer or if he promoted it on 106 but um yeah I was like mom we gotta go watch Stop the Yard and I didn't really go to the movie theaters until I was like a teenager after that but um I came in thinking that it was like, oh, this is a Chris Brown movie. I didn't know that this was a Columbus <laughs> short movie. So I'm watching and I'm like, oh, this is so fire. Chris Brown is stunting on him with all the dance moves or whatever. And I don't know, he does like this handstand. It's all in, uh, it's all mm-hmm. in slow motion. And I'm like, oh, he pulled out the handstand on him. And 
you know, then I'd finish it. And then, like, it's, it's a weird setting, by the way, that movie's like, that starting is very weird. This is it's like, really weird. strange. This is bunny suit person. This is dude with the bald piece, like weird cap on his head. Like, I, I don't know. That whole scene was weird, but like, you know, Chris Brown busted out the gloves and he did the handstand. And I was like, oh, he's different. And then <laughs> they they pull up to the they pull up to the train yard. They'd have like this cringe scene where they do like the spray paint or whatever. And then they get to the part where Buddy pulls up on him for doing a handstand all in his face and whatnot. And he pops him. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Which, and that was were they in the parking lot when that happened? I don't remember. They like, were in a train yard. It was for the some train. Reason? Okay, it was the train yard. Okay. Yeah, and no okay. trains was coming neither. Like it was of just like an abandoned train yard where they pulled up with some graffiti, <laughs> and then Chris Brown gets popped for a handstand, which you know, by the way, is still so funny. Like the dance yeah. moves, with, like the handstand was the big you know tension. Like not all the disrespectful pop blocks all up in each other's face it was the handstand where he was like this man and you know what's funny that's not even the most disrespectful dance shit that happens in that movie i can't remember which dance off it is but neo does the shit where he starts fucking doing the fake sweeping and then kicks the fake dirt at them <laughs> that shit was more insulting than the fucking handstand and he didn't get popped for that so like listen there's a difference <laughs> between neo and chris brown there's yeah, a difference. A big made, difference. But there's a big difference. Like, <laughs> yeah. listen, if you if you know, you know. But Neo is that guy, and in my own words, is one of the best albums ever. So they saw that sweeping, and it was like, hi. Right, but you know, sexy love is a hit too. So yeah, sexy love when you're mad, so sick, we could go down the listen, list, man. Yeah. Listen, I'm not gonna make this movie podcast about the Neo uh, albums, but I could go there. But uh, yeah, no, stop the art. He gets popped early on. I mean, I'm devastated. Like Chris Brown was the guy. And I was like, oh my God. You know, I think that might have been like the first real movie death that like got me because I was like, why Chris Brown get popped? And da 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 da. And I don't know why, but I stuck through the rest of that movie. And like when I left the movie theater, I kept like trying to do all the dance moves in the parking lot. Like shit was hard. I was like, how he slide his head like that? But then I just realized <laughs> that then I just realized, oh, that's just Columbus Short's head. Like right a, yeah like he, yeah he just got a flat head and he was able to use that to his advantage man columbus short and chris brown were two people who really kind of wound up in some interesting spots because he because because you know like he columbus short had a drug problem and he wound up domestically abusing somebody and chris brown we all know what happened with chris brown and like it's crazy to it's just crazy to think about where the two the two leads or, or at least like the big star and the lead in that movie turned up and like it's also just the reason why i appreciate you guys served that much more i don't know that's just that's just kind of been me because like i saw um i saw stomp the arc with one of my best friends i told this story i think a couple episodes ago like me and one of my homies saw it and like the two of us were just like yeah like 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 we just weren't really into chris brown like that at that point because like i like i remember when i saw the run it video and like i went nuts watching him dance but for some reason i was just like not on that wave when i saw the movie and i was just like fuck chris brown but like like either way like <laughs> like like that moment was a defining moment for so many people within our like within our like age range like like you could talk to anybody who was like from like 21 to 30 years old and they're gonna have a moment and a memory associated with watching chris brown die and stomp the yard that specific scene 
Well, to, it's like, the, one of the funniest. Like, it, it's a funny casting choice all around in that movie yeah. too. Because I think, like, it's Neo, and then it's. I might be wrong here, but I think it's uh, Buddy who was crying on the roof with Morgan Freeman on Lean on Me. I think he was also in that movie, one of the roommates. I think you're right. I think you're right. I, but yeah, it was like, wait, so the Lean on Me kid is here. Neo's here. Chris Brown got popped over a handstand. And this dude that I've never seen before is the lead, which at that point I was like, who the fuck is Columbus Short? But um, yeah, so yeah, was everyone. And then fine as Megan Good. That's what, I think that might have been what hooked me because at first I was like, man, what the fuck is Columbus Short, man? I don't care about this movie. And then I saw fine as Megan Good and I was like, yeah, so I like sunk, I sunk back in the seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like between it's so it's like Megan, Megan Good and Stomp the Yard, uh, Zoe Saldana and Drumline. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was in You Got Served. Who what who what who who was it in you guys served? I don't remember it being anybody like official or anything, but like I don't know. Here's the thing, like everybody's you got served. That was like stomp the yard was my you got served. Something Mm -hmm. about stomping in place and doing head slides and shit was like the coolest (laughs) shit to me. I mean, yeah, like it totally was. And like and 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 like I mentioned, I mentioned drumline too specifically because those are both like they're both college sports movies. Like, yeah. like, like everybody likes to compare. I mean, like, obviously, like the comparison between Stomp the Yard and You Got Served is like super duper obvious. But um, like, that's like, I always think about it in relation to Drumline because of the HBCU connection. And yeah. just and just like the truth. I'm like, I didn't go to an HBCU, but like just like knowing people who did and like having enough having a passing familiarity with like what goes on and like the traditions and all that shit like that's always what i associated those two movies with and uh like they're both college movies and the fact that they have like goofy college kid characters in them that that are just like goofy (laughs) and like that's always really funny to me i don't know it just makes me laugh yeah it's weird with nick cannon and like columbus short because like you think of them and I think of old Nick Cannon movies. Fuck, it's another one where he had the the goofy ass afro, because um, it clearly was not real. At least I don't think it was. But like, I forget which one that was. Oh my god! But like Nick Cannon as the leading man, and then Nick Cannon as you know Gigolo, and then uh, Nick Cannon as Wildin' Out and Gigolo. I, I'm like referring to his rap career. <laughs> I, I want to like yeah. that's the one song I remember him by it was that and like he released some freestyle with all his wilding out people which is all just battle rappers who can't rap on a you know actual like independent beat but I won't go in that shade yeah let's yeah let's not talk about conceited too much on here but uh have you <laughs> so let me ask you now have you heard have you heard his have you heard the music he made for Chirac that Spike Lee movie? No, I saw I saw uh, I saw like the poster and whatnot for Shirek, and I was like, I'm not gonna watch this, and I and I never watched it. I think it was like I associated with like some YouTube original, and I just you know kind of ignored it. I was like, oh yeah, YouTube, Nick Cannon, right on. <laughs> <laughs> and nah, it was bad. Like I appreciate, like like I commend your self restraint because that shit was garbage. My buddy, um, um, uh, my other guy, he got it, um, he got it on bootleg, and he like brought it to my other friend's crib, and we all just watched it just because I was like, oh, it's a free movie, we got nothing to do, 
I watched that shit for free and I wanted my money back. I was so <laughs> fucking mad at how bad that, and like I knew it was going to be bad, right? Because like Spike was another director who at that point hadn't made a good movie in like a decade to me. So I was just like, I, like, like I wanted to watch it and I was like, this shit is ass. Like, you, you know, like Vic Mensa shows up in the beginning and you could tell that he doesn't want to be there and just like, and just like they have, they tried so hard to get so contemporary and so modern with like how rap was happening in Chicago at that point. And they missed the mark so horribly on top of everything else wrong with that movie. It's just, it's just a bad movie from every, in every conceivable way, just a really, really bad movie. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I think uh, Spike did the old boy remake before that too, which was also and that was really bad. Also ass. Yeah. Okay. Just make Yeah. Sure. I, I'm, I forget what he did that past decade, but I don't know what happened with Chirac for him to be like, you know what? I gotta make actual movies. And, shit. <laughs> and like <laughs> nobody, and like nobody in Chicago wanted him to make that movie. Like everybody who the, was the, he's not the person to make that kind of movie. Like he's no. not from Chicago. That's not his culture. And no matter how much you, you know, talk to x y and z person like you're not gonna fully understand that atmosphere unless you got like chicago ass people around and you know vic mensa you know god bless but like that you know if you're trying to depict chicago and all of its facets you gotta hit every facet you gotta talk to like you know the drill artists you gotta understand every aspect of the community that you're trying to tap into because you know you can see you know, Spike is not unfamiliar with getting the most out of a perfect environment. Like, do the right thing is like totally. the per- is the perfect depiction of New York outside of like Illmatic. Like, those are like when I think of how New York is in my imagination, it's do the right thing and it's Illmatic. You know, so he understands the importance of you know uh, depicting the area around you. But I think at some point, you know, you get jaded and you're like, oh, fuck it, I'll make Chirac with Vic Mensa and Nick Cannon. Or fuck it, I'll make a, an old boy remake that definitely didn't need to be remade and didn't offer like any, you know, any new insight to what that world could be. Yeah. And like the weird part about the old boy remake is that like, you remember, you've you, you seen the original, I assume, right? Yeah. So like, you remember how, like, you remember the whole like dumplings thing with the clue and shit? Mm-hmm. and just like how they like figured out they were at the red like they did that again in america where like like it like <sighs> the disc like the disconnect there and the fact that nobody was like uh spike literally no one can tell dumplings apart from the six different places that you can get them in one block in one area of this country like yeah. i don't know that 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 was that was just like that just showed me that he didn't give a shit he literally just copy and pasted it and was like, okay, let's just do it. And then like add in Sam Jackson, who's always fun. He's, he's never bad. He's one of those actors who's always good, even in a bad movie. So yeah. like, so like you're going to win with him no matter what, but like, wow, like no, no one, it didn't need to be, you, 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 you hit it. Like it didn't need to be remade. And it made me really sad that he wanted to do that. It's it, yeah. It's something off about Chirac though. that really like, you know, like destroyed everything where he was like, you know what? cinema is important after all and then (laughs) made i think it was um fucking the john david washington movie oh uh black landsman 
that's it yeah. yeah i still haven't watched that but i like appreciated the fact that he clearly looked like he gave a fuck about it he gave a fuck he gave, he cared so much about it that he pulled up in the most exorbitant uh the most the craziest suit i've ever seen at the oscars he pulled mm-hmm. up looking like waluigi and i was yeah, like oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's my favorite and, and yeah that was the one where he hopped into sam jackson's arms at the oscars too. Bro, yeah that, that, that was a moment bro. that was a moment <laughs> i was like i was like yeah he fucks this movie it's different oh my. and like honestly it's fine it's good enough it's the it, it's the best thing that he had made for a really long time up to that point like i think about it <laughs> This is going to sound fucked up, but I think about it like, uh, like, you remember when the first X-Men movie came out mm-hmm. and like, like the very first one and like nobody up to that point had had like, nobody had ever made an X-Men movie before. So people were just like hyped to get an X-Men movie. And then you see something like X-Men first class, which I think is a lot better. And it's like, oh, like, this is like a good X-Men movie. Yeah. And it's just so like it was just like that. That first joint was good enough, you yeah. know, like like and for me, it's not on the same level as the first X-Men movie. But like Black Klansman was good enough. And it, it, yeah. Like 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 it was good. Be, like it was good by virtue of not being terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's just but. that craving that you have for that sort of content. Like, if you really wanted to see new Spike Lee that was actually good, you would watch Black Klansman. But and, then like, the fi- and then the five bloods happened, and that was actually really good. Completely, like, like, completely washed. Every- like, honestly, I find it very difficult whether or not I choose uh, the five bloods or... Um, do the right thing as his best movie like really that, yeah it i think it's that and then it's um fuck i'm forgetting the name but like that whole 90s run was mostly good mm-hmm. and um but yeah it was the five bloods because i don't remember movies that like affected me that much the way that the five bloods uh like that was as far as new movies, it's been a minute since I was like deeply affected by a character because I know someone like Delroy Lindo's character. I know like, you know, mm. old like older black men that are either conservative or they get it. Like, you know, my family is like my, I know my granddad personally is a wild dude and like I, I, I see a lot of like that Delroy Lindo character in my own family. So you feel a bit more empathy for the characters that way and i think back right. to that do the right thing scene where um where radio rahim uh get, you know if i'm like if i'm spoiling if you may watch do the right thing yet like this shit is 30 years old bro talk about it <laughs> that, that that and like why are you listening to a movie podcast if you ain't like prepared with the goods like but <laughs> yeah i think about that like those final scenes and do the right thing and i'm like oh my gosh like you know it's deeply moving in a sense that you know you don't get that much from other filmmakers you know that are just whatever about the shit like there's a deep sense of care in spike's best movies there's yeah. you know a deep emotionality and though he's not very subtle he's like you can tell when he gives a fuck and that's what i think uh i was listening to um like this this white critic 
on YouTube or whatever, he was talking about the five bloods and he had all nice things to say about it, but he was like, oh, you know, Spike Lee, not subtle. But I was like, who, like how much does subtlety really matters? How much does subtlety really matter if the content itself is still impactful? Like right. it can be like not subtle, but like if there's a clear care and emotionality to it, like it shouldn't matter if, you know, it went over your head or if it directly hits you in the heart. Right. And like Spike is passionate. Like a lot of people like, like unsubtle is a word I see a lot with it. Like real quick digression. Um, I love the movie Bamboozled. It makes me extremely uncomfortable, but I love the movie Bamboozled. I saw it because my dad owned pretty much every Spike Lee movie up until Bamboozled. So I like watched it on my own one day and like I had to take a break halfway through. Like if you have, if, if, if y'all listening haven't seen Bamboozled, it's a really just a wild movie about like a guy who like he is a black dude who attempts to get fired from his like network executive job by like pitching a pitching a minstrel show like a like kind of like the tonight show but like Mm -hmm. with people in blackface and the and like to his horror the white executive is like i love it let's do it so they like actually make the show and that's the whole movie and like so like i watched it for the first time at home so i'd already had that kind of like in my brain and then i went to college years later and i watched um we saw it in a film class and a woman, um, the woman in front of me, when we finished watching it, I saw her taking down notes. The two words that she wrote in her notebook, big as hell, were too angry. Oh she said the movie was too angry. But like, and I was like, like, you're right. kind of missing the, like, if you don't feel passionate about the subject, then what the fuck are you covering it for? like exactly like come on like movies movies take a lot of work they cost a lot of money they have a lot of people behind them to make them like if you're not gonna like that's one thing that i've always respected about spike lee even if i don't like his movies like he's like you could tell that he cares about pretty much everything he makes even if it's not good like like um the sweet blood of jesus terrible um miracle of saint anna terrible red hook summer terrible they're all bad movies but he cares like and mm-hmm. that and, and like that means something to me i don't know like that 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 means something to me no because there's so much content where it seems like it's there's not a lot of care about it and you know it's still received good like i think about that one year where green book won all those oscars and i right. was like this is streamlined like this is you know for maximum comfortability while quote-unquote saying something but like you know you didn't really have anything of note to say other than like oh maybe we should treat each other good like oh it's (laughs) shocking i know but um like i i think about those movies or i think about recently nomad nomad land i haven't seen it yet but one of my friends was like this is the longest Super Bowl commercial I've ever seen in my life. And I I wanna, <laughs> mm, yeah, I, like, it, it, it's so many people that like love that movie, but like there are some people who are like, this is poverty porn or this is like a, or this is Super Bowl commercial movie. And, I, and like on one end, I can get it because it's like, all right, like this seems like, wow, we should care about like, you know, 
the poor, the people that, you know, in the lower class or, you know, people that are, have to be in those situations, but like, you know, the care was there and you can tell it just by the camera work. Yeah. And like, on top of that, the thing that makes Nomadland such an interesting movie to me, cause I watched it um, pretty recently. Like, it's uh they they got a lot of actual people who like live that lifestyle to be in the movie because yeah. it's based on a either a book or an article I forget but like they got all those people in the movie and that made it feel less um exploitative to me than it might have otherwise because Francis McDormand has tendencies to kind of like make that type of shit where like yeah. that um on that three billboard shit like that's exactly yes, what that like such that shit was a bad like, movie and like on top of being bad it was exploitative like that's exploitative like i don't like i think chloe zhao put too much effort into making that movie for it for me to consider it like exploitative or like bad but i think it's definitely a conversation worth having because you know like 80 percent of people are not living like nomads and moving across the country like that's a really wild lifestyle to live and like the th- another thing people don't really seem to realize like a lot of people choose to live like that especially in this context like they're choosing to do all of this and like a big part of Francis mcdormand's character in the movie is that she like chooses to do this like it's not yeah. like it was forced upon her like her husband died and then she was like i just want to do this so like i think exploring that area is like it was it was it, it's a really tight rope to walk um i don't think they did it perfectly but i wasn't like mad at it if that makes any sense i really hope that's not coming across as insensitive because i'm not trying to i'm not trying to like fucking talk down on anyone who's living that life or just like has lived and struggled like really struggled you know like that's not what i'm trying to do here but yeah, yeah i i think it's interesting to your point that you uh, thought when watching it that including real people made it not exploitative when some people argue the opposite that you're you know getting these real people and their real experiences just for the sake of this filmmaking you know yeah. but, which you know it can feel icky but like at some point you can be like ah, I can get it like uh, there's a big line in art in general between intent and what it is and like i think we have to understand what the intent is with everyone that we're talking to because more times than not i see i think we truly underestimate just how possibly oblivious i think is the good word i think i think we underestimate just how oblivious some things can be to us how ignorant we can be to some things there there's always going to be like holes to what we're to what we imagine so you know i think including the director's intent is very important and it's what's going to separate a book uh the green book from nomadland because oh, that's, you know the, that's big the, the 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 intent behind green book was like all right well let's this is middle of the road let's get this you know quote controversial idea that hey maybe white people black people should be kind to one another mm-hmm. like or and then then there's nomadland where it's like all right let's explore this lifestyle and though you can you know possibly look at it from a dicey angle you can be like all right well i can get it like you understand the intent behind it where with green book it's like all right we know that this is icky and you made it anyway yeah wow that's i i agree with all of that like i got, I got nothing else to add that's really you 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 put that so well like 
I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm articulate sometimes. Like, I, <laughs> I, I use the word like a lot in my in my sentences. But same, bro. I mean, hey. like sometimes sometimes they get a point off. <laughs> so, um, before b- before we get b- before we get too far off track, um, like <laughs> it feels so crazy to go back to like stomp the yard after all of this, but like you've seen stomp the yard, and it's kind of like piqued your interest in like the world of movies that's kind of what you've been telling me so like for you like if there was another movie that you could pick that was the point where you fell in love with movies or like at least you like recognize them as like oh shit this is a thing i love to watch like what would that be if it wasn't (laughs) stomp the yard Mm, okay so i don't know that i fell in love with me with movies until much later so with cool. stomp the with, with stomp the yard i watched that because it was chris brown in it and though he got popped i like i think i stuck with it because megan good was fine as hell and i didn't end up going to the movie theater until like in my pre-teens like uh like 12 13 and even then like i was watching a whole bunch of bullshit in a passive way and i don't think i really started getting into it until like i I think I came across the Oscars, which is a, which is a bad place to really get, you know, your big movie kickoff. But like, I would look at what was nominated and I'd be like, that sounds cool. And I watched, I think the movie that really got me into like thinking about movies in a deeper sense. And this sounds cliche as hell, but like Moonlight really did that for me where like I watched it and I was like, oh, this is like, you know, this isn't just, like some marvel cinematic universe shit like it's like this is a very emotive movie where mm-hmm. you get to feel this character across three acts and i was like man this is like uh, i'm to avoid going on a big like ramble like it was deeply impactful and i was like all right well I'm going to keep searching through these bootleg sites so that I can keep watching movies. Cause again, the big thing for me was accessibility. And once, once I found that bootleg site, I was like, cool, I'm gonna watch a whole bunch of stuff that I hadn't watched. Mm. And that's, you know, that's where I am now with it, where now there's streaming services. But like at that time I was like 16, 15, 16, 17. And I didn't have the money for that kind of shit. Like I was borrowing netflix from mom and i didn't and like i would use like free trials every few months or so for like hbo i think it was hbo now at the time or like hulu and like i would use those and then it would use my bootleg site that's when i really started like paying attention like okay these movies have more to say than just the entertainment value of it right yeah, and like and like you don't have to feel you don't have to feel like you got to hide about the fact that like it took the Oscars to do it because like that's I mean like with all the problems that we have with the Oscars like that's ultimately the reason they exist, right? Like usually mm-hmm. like especially with a movie like Moonlight and and, and like that was the year that that the, 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 um the big La La Land shit happened too. Mm-hmm. So like so like the movie had an even bigger spotlight on it because of that. Um I was lucky enough to get to see it before the Oscars happened and uh yeah, like I, I felt the same way, just like sitting down with it. Like, like at this point, I like I, had, I think I had already graduated college when it came out. I can't remember anymore. Something like that. But uh, like I remember watching it and just yeah, like it wasn't. And and, and like 
as a movie that I knew was going to get picked up and like really spotlighted by the Oscars, I was like, this doesn't feel like Oscar bait to me. Like it really feels like something that wasn't just like churned out by a machine. There was a lot of passion and a lot of uh, just a lot of like thought into it, like about like who these characters, like it felt lived in. It felt like a place, it it felt like a place that you could like actually go and not just like an escapist fantasy. And it was just such a, you know, like, you know, like, um, I hadn't really seen very many, uh, I hadn't really seen a queer experience on camera shown like that before. It was just it, yeah. like, like, like they handled it with such grace and, you know, like, I'm not like, it just really, it, it just really was something that was really beautiful to see. And like, and, and then on top of the fact that like, it's a beautiful, it looks, it looks beautiful. The acting's great. The music cues are all dope. Like, like yeah. that shit made me like, that was the shit that made me appreciate Jadena. Like I didn't like classic man <laughs> until I heard that chopped and screwed remix to classic. man. <laughs> well, well let, let's be totally real here. Chopped and screwed should be more implemented into these soundtrack scores like i think i think chopped and screwed is just as beautiful as some like john bryan score or Mm -hmm. one of these like beautiful like han zimmer's thing like it has the same effect and i think you know i i've talked about how much i love houston to many points but like houston is one of the most beautiful places i've ever been it's so distinctly southern but you couldn't confuse houston with anywhere else on the map like you can go to like you can go to georgia and i would go to and i would get the same feeling i would get when i go back to my birthplace uh birmingham alabama but like you go to houston it's like all right well this is its totally own thing like it's got you could see a slab going around playing a little kiki out the out the speaker like it's it's totally different from you know i go by south carolina like you get the same feeling from the south at large but a place like houston is so specifically them that you couldn't confuse it with anything else but and i'm getting off point the the moonlight i think I don't think it was the Oscars per se, but I, it definitely played a part. I think it was just me on YouTube and I was like hearing about these movies from like movie reviews or whatever. Right. And I, and I would just be like, oh, well, I'll check that out. And, you know, then I would get to a Moonlight, then I would get to a La La Land. And with Moonlight, you know, you, you said that it feels lived in. That's what's so great about Barry Jenkins films in general. Like his direct his directed one specifically because he has yeah. more hands-on uh parts with that but you know you explore those worlds and you feel the love or otherwise or any emotion that he wants to convey you feel it like deep in the spirit and that's a way that you can do it in a very subtle way but it still hits you like it's a, yeah. like you don't ha- like you don't have to think super hard about it. Like they're not telling you, oh, I'm sad, but you can look at it and you're like, oh, like you like you feel it when uh, when Trevante Rhodes, you know, washes his face with the ice water and he dips his head back up like you feel the exhaustion almost coming off of his face. Right. And then and then you go a little further with it, with, uh, with that specific idea and you look at and you look at um. You look at Chiron and um, I forget the guy. I forget the the guy that Andre Holland played. Um, I forget his name, but like you see yeah, them. Um, you see, hang on, 
hang on, hang on. I'm on a computer. Let me look it up. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like you see, <laughs> his name is Kevin. Wow. Okay. Yeah, just Kevin. Um, you see the you see the way that Chiron and Kevin are looking at each other, like in the diner when they're both grown and like he's working behind the counter and like you can see that longing in their eyes, but like they don't have to say I want you. Like it's not always it, it doesn't always have to be that direct, you know. Yeah. And that's a like I think that's a really um. The movie gets that. And I think Barry Jenkins as a I believe he wrote it, too, as a writer and director gets that, you know, like that's um, um, like things, you, you know, like I think it's really interesting to compare somebody like Barry Jenkins to somebody like Spike Lee, like Spike Lee is somebody who's very direct and is going to tell you exactly what he how he feels and how he wants you to feel. Barry yeah. Jenkins is just going to show it, you know, like yeah. it's it, it, it's it's literally the difference between telling and showing. And um, I think, and I think there's value in both, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think there's value in both, but I think Moonlight was a particularly special, like, that's like, like, to me, that's going to be like a timeless movie. Like, that's we're going to be talking, we're, we're going to be talking about Moonlight in another 10 years, the way yeah. we talk about like Spike Lee stuff, I think, personally. Yeah, I think what's, what's so good about Moonlight is it's such a simple idea, but just empathy for the characters and that's what i that's what the best a lot of my favorite movies do my a lot of my favorite shows is that you feel a lot of you feel for the characters and even despite any character flaws or anything like you feel for them because of their circumstances and it makes you um a better thinker as a result like i look at juan's character marshall ali's um his character and I look at it and you're like okay well he's a good mentor for Chiron but on one end he's also I mean he's a drug dealer I think yeah he's a drug dealer yeah 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 so he's he's pushing drugs and he was selling drugs to his mom like he he, he he wasn't just a drug dealer he was selling drugs to um um Naomi Harris there we go that's it yeah and I like you think about that you're like man that's fucked up but like on one end you're like why is he selling drugs and why does his mom want it there's always like nothing is ever black and white and nothing everything in this life is always gray and it takes more uh critical thinking for you to really understand and have more empathy for people right and yeah like it's like real empathy like not performative not like hey we're here for the month of June to sell you a fucking rainbow t-shirt. It's like real mm-hmm. empathy, you know, like it, it's coming from a real place of real, a real want for understanding, a real want to be understood, you know, like, it, and that's, yeah it's, yeah. it's a difference between McDonald's putting a rainbow on your Big Mac and, you know, a piece of art that really speaks to something more than that. Right. Like, you know, it's, yeah, there's so much performative, uh, like you know activism or whatever but um like they you know i guess it's better than not doing it you know like right, like, but... like like <laughs> like you look at like you look at mcdonald's and you're like oh yeah awareness da, 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 da. and like i guess this is better than you not saying anything at all but like don't expect me to be impressed that you're right saying these things where with like a movie like moonlight it expresses its characters in all of their traits and it makes you feel empathy because you understand right. rather it's than not- just pl- rather than just plainly telling you like hey this is the problem 
<laughs> right. Yeah. It's it's almost like the difference between like McDonald's putting a rainbow on a Big Mac and New York City banning police officers from being at Pride until 2025. It's like something is just like being said and then there's like an action happening and exactly. like something taking place to like put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 where we're at with that. So it's really dope that Moonlight was this movie that kind of set this off for you because you know, like I said, it's fantastic movie i feel like uh i don't think i know anybody that had that that's seen it that that didn't like it so like but um to kind of move on a bit more like um (laughs) i'm gonna ask a question that might be a little more complicated for you which is uh when did you first fall in love with music um man so i i think back to when i was four I was three, four years old, and the first uh, songs and albums that I can always remember, it's always a core set of albums that made me fall in love with it. It was 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying, which was like the Superman fucking album, which is like, it's it's so funny. He starts off saying, I don't want to say nothing that the DA might get me caught in court for. And then on heat, he was like, I don't care if the DA hear this. I will <laughs> kill you. I ain't playing. But I, How to Rob is on that album, right? No, it's not. Okay, no, How to Rob was its own single. Oh, fuck me. Never mind. <laughs> but um, it was Get Richard I Tryin'. It was G Units Beck for Mercy. It was uh, Floyd Banks' Hunger for More. Hmm. Wow, uh, what, Karma was the big song on there, um, and I'll get to why here in a minute. But it was uh, Young Buck straight out of Cashville. It was Ti's trap music, and uh, Cameron's Purple Haze, but to a lesser extent. Those were those were the big albums for me at that four year old stage, and then right. Um, you know, I get to five and that's when I like start really like you, I can associate memories with them more, whether I get Chris Brown's album at the Walmart for the first time, or I remember uh, my granddad when he played late registration and, or it might've been the album or touch the sky. All I know is touch the sky came on and he reacts in elation and he, and he turns around while he's driving a Lincoln specifically and he's and he's driving and he turns around and he's like what you know about this grandson and I was like granddad this is Kanye West he was like no 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 but the song that he's using on the song right. and it's the Curtis like, Mayfield song yeah and then like but you know it's those moments where you really start internalizing the the um the music that you're listening to but i think the the time that i really really like i was in love with it but then i knew that this would just be my personality flat out was the graduation curtis uh uh mm. album duel and yeah, that, no was, matter, that was a moment that was i think that defined my music fandom outright where i was like legitimately invested like it was it wasn't just music that i rocked with on tv it was like oh this is a competition so think, what side were you on? I was on, listen, I was 50 Cent was was Superman. So I was like, listen, super, Superman's going to knock anybody that you put in front of him. So I'm like, 50 Cent got this. But I watch it and it's week by, and it's week, by week. You watch uh, the first single 
I don't remember in order, but like you think about the singles from Curtis. It was I Get Money. It was Amusement Park. I Get Money was good. Amusement Park was meh. There was another one. AO and Technology, then, right? Well, I, yeah, and then I was going to say AO Technology. There was oh, sorry, my there, there, there was another one, but AO Technology. And I listened to AO Technology. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is 50 Cent doing? And then like side by side, you see Kanye. Stronger. Good life flashing lights can't tell me nothing i'm like oh 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 and but even then up to that point i'm like kanye got the better songs but like 50 still gonna win this come on it's 50 and i i never forget this my dad was coming to visit me and he bought curtis because he knew how much like i wouldn't shut up about this and we bought curtis we listened to it and i reacted so deflated because the album was so mid it hurt i walk i i still think it's only like four good songs in there it's the one with a it's the one with mary j blige on it which is one of 50's best songs flat out uh the robin thick one because i i've always argued that 50 cent was at his best with the melody shit but um it was that uh, I get money, and then it was something else on there. But Kanye's graduation, the only song that I didn't like on there was um, Drunk and Hot Girls, which even now it's like, it's weird yeah. enough for me to appreciate. Like, I'm just like, oh, this is bizarre, but like, like it works. But I guess all of this comes to say, like, I fell in, I fell in love with music just because a lot of my favorite songs were either beyond hard or it was the sweetest melodies you can think of like karma probably my favorite genre of music for so long is the rap and r&b combo that they used to do that Let's always talk about you it. know the one for the ladies quote unquote yeah. that was the one for me i was like oh yeah karma because like what's so funny about that song is you know uh Lloyd Banks is talking about courting this girl or whatever. And yep. then the singer on there, he's like, I am the one you did not pass me off every time I try. And then at the end of it, he was like, I'm down for a one night stand because I'll get it any way that I can get it. But just, <laughs> just remember, I am not your man, woman. I'm like, sheesh, but he sure, he sure sounds good on this. Oh but um, yeah, it's the sweet melodies. And no matter what they're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the sweetest, most lovely sound I've ever heard. It was those... so good. No, no, no. I'm, I keep on cutting you off. I'm really sorry. No, I'm no. Not... <laughs> I, no I, to be honest, my thought like went to a complete halt after that. So I just wanted to bring up the fact that like Lloyd Banks really had like he had those he had those in the tuck. Like he had so many like like the song he made with Olivia. Oh. Bro, the song the he song so he good at it and and, and 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 he was and that was the remix because that was her song like she got him on the remix mm-hmm. so that's a, i like i'm blanking on the name of the song right now um uh shit uh, it'll come back to me but like that was one of my like i remember hearing that song for the first time with him on it specifically and mm-hmm. like and like and like that and like that busted my whole head open i love yeah. that song to this day so i'm it happy was, you brought up karma because that's definitely on that wave it was always the most like more R&B, sweeter centric rap music because I rocked with the invincibility of rap of rappers back then when I was a kid. But like the sweeter, more tender side of like "Want to Get to Know You," of a uh, 
smile like those were the songs where i was like oh my gosh this is the greatest thing that i've ever heard because i'm like oh my gosh (laughs) and what's so weird is lloyd banks was so good at him and he has the wildest monotone like he'll rep super duper hard and super duper flat or whatever but he always sounded good over sweeter stuff because i guess the contrast is good right and you can say the same thing about 52 because like because like 50 had best friend which is one of my mm-hmm. which actually might be one of my favorite 50 cent songs ever i love that song yeah and like yeah like 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 that contract especially at that time like people hadn't people weren't really well not to say that people weren't doing it like that because they were but like it felt more novel because yeah. it wasn't like like the market wasn't saturated with it yet. Everyone and, had everyone had to be hard and shit. Like everybody, right. like you, like right. you know, there was Ja Rule, but like Ja Rule was like, oh, thugs need love too. But Fifty Cent, <laughs> he was like, but ja, that would that's what I really call them. It's the thugs need love too songs. Yeah, and yeah. like Ja Rule specialized in it. Fifty Cent, I think, probably perfected it on some instances. Mm-hmm. and yeah. it's so fun it's so funny that he jacked that but i think about like he's so good he was so good and he's so charismatic and charming enough on those songs where he could pull off window shopper and he could take mace out on a date in the music video and i'll be like ah oh, that's just that's just tender affection right there <laughs> yeah you know like yeah you know like ja rule had like to put it on me and all that shit but then like yeah like it's just <laughs> What's so oh. funny? What's so funny about Ja Rule is that uh, I think about um, oh my gosh, it was always on my mind. Oh, mm. uh, always on time, and Ashanti starts up. I'm not always there when you Damn. call, and the Ja Rule hits it with the ad lib buck shots, and I'm like <laughs> buck shots, why? <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why are we hitting buck shots on, yeah. on the on the sweet Ashanti hook right now? Yeah, yeah so, so you at a twelve, bro. Like you got to bring it down to like a five. Like you yeah, got to really, like, yeah, or like <laughs> what? What's love? What's love with Fat Joe and Jaru? It was like, a, what's love got to do? Got to do with it? I'm like, she. It could have been just a question. What's love? But then Jaru answered, "What's love got to do with it?" Like, bro, calm down. The shots like, he all soft and whatnot. You like overpower in the spot. See, Fifty Cent he was smarter than that. That's why he won the beef because he knew how to <laughs> fall back. Jaru was just trying to be like, I'm hard. Like Fifty Cent ain't have to prove he was hard. He wanted. To, he wanted. To, he wanted. To, he wanted to be like Diddy dancing in the videos and shit. Just, just, mm-hmm. just, just like had to be. He had to be in the mix at all had times. Like I'm the, here. Had to be. I'm in the here. Spot. <laughs> Exactly. He had to be in the spotlight, bro. I'm the rapper too. I'm the star and da 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 da, which is so funny. It's so funny the way that evolution came out because DMX was the guy there. And then Ja Rule was like, I want some of the I want some of the DMX uh, right. stuff. And then Ja Rule, he started getting his wave. He ran with it. And 50 Cent was like, hmm. You like I, I think about how he looked at that landscape. <laughs> And I shout out Shea Serrano and Jinx. They talk about this with the Get Rich or Die Trying joint. But oh, man. Fifty Cent looked at the Fifty Cent looked at that landscape and he saw Jay Z, Nelly, all the people that were popping back then. He was like, "Can't go after Jay Z and Nas. That seems like that seems counterproductive. Nelly's too popular. Who is the weak link here?" And then <laughs> Laser Vision on Ja Rule. He was like, "Cool." I'm going to ruin this man's life. And then <laughs> yeah. that happened. 
fucking six degrees of swagger jacking. It's amazing. Just like that's that's what that's what history is all about. And yeah, shout out to Shay and shout out to Shay and Jinx's joint because I haven't listened to it yet, but I was really excited to see that they were even doing something like that because it, because if I trust any two people to do some like real like CSI level analysis on like an album like that, definitely them. So shout out yeah. to them. And <laughs> and I don't and I don't know if you'll like ask me about writing or whatnot, but. Um, like Jinx, J- what we'll certainly get there. Maybe you'll transition, but Jinx and Jinx and those complex guys were the reason that I wanted to get into music media and the fact that I thought it was tangible. And so I think about Jinx. It was Frazier, it was Emily Oberg, Sean Evans, and there's somebody else I'm spacing on. But it was those people that was really getting my interest in music media and I was a complex kid by then and then like I was actually reading I bought Shea Serrano's The Rap Yearbook and then I I read it and every time I've said this people like misinterpreted it as shade in the in the text but like I read The Rap Yearbook and I was like I can do that like I like I, I like I read it and I was like this is basically everything that I do every day anyway it's just on print Right. Yeah. And, and and no, I'm happy you brought that up because I was literally going to ask you when you started to get into music media. So you were already you were already thinking ahead. So. Yeah, no, it I was it, it, it was complex. It was it was that complex, you know, base thing where you had a rotating cast of people. It was, you know, the Jinx, the Frasers, the Emily Oberg's, Tamara Dia. That was her. Right. She was the other one. Frazier, Jinx, Emily Oberg, Sean Evans, all those people. And you see that rota- rotating cast of people in the news or whatever. And I'm like, man, you know, I want to do that. And then I look at Complex. And what's so funny is that they were like, oh, yeah, you'll need to go to college and do this, that, and the third. And which, in hindsight, now that I'm a writer, a bunch of BS, but I- I'll leave that there. I can get into Complex however I wish. Um, right. But yeah, it was that. It was that. But I didn't really think it was tangible. And then, um, there was this radio station shout out to the English teacher that was like, Hey, you know, you should, uh, cause then I had to, gosh, why am I space? I had to do community service hours and luckily the radio station counted for that. And I got to do, I did the sports broadcasting for like a couple months, but then the, the head lady over there at the radio station was like, yeah, I can give you a show. I can, we can count it as your community service hours. It's fine. And then, boom, I had my own radio show. And I picked the person that I wanted to do it with. I ended up falling in love with them. Um, and then, you know, that kept going. And then I started, I was like, huh, you know, I'm watching, you know, my my degree of like what I wanted interview-wise probably wasn't very high, but I was watching like how comfortable Charlemagne made certain artists feel or certain people walk in and like the people that rocked with Charlemagne like really was comfortable there and I was like I want to do that or I looked at Charlemagne and I was like I can do that too and boom I get I start interviewing people not for the radio station but you know I'd start recording interviews there while I had shows in the tuck to release for the next few weeks and then I upload them to YouTube I end up leaving the radio station because I ended up moving and then I'm like well shit I can't keep doing the the interview thing 
because that's not going anywhere. I don't have the recording set up X, Y, and Z. So then I move to Houston. I start working for a little bit and then I start reading Yo Phillips articles. I start reading everybody at a DJ booth. You were a part of that. Uh, Yo Phillips, Donna, like I watch, I read Gods. a lot. Of, I read Yo Phillips is the one for me where I was like, oh yeah, no, I can, I definitely want to do that. And then I, I would read his stuff and then I would read the Shea Serrano books. And I was like, I can give writing a try. And then I picked up a dingy laptop. Um, yeah, I guess I could tell the story again. Uh, the first time that I tried writing, I had wanted to tell the graduation 50 cent thing. And the concept that I had for it was what a 50 cent one. And briefly, like the first, the first part of it, I uh, set the stage for what it was. And then the second part, <clears throat> I answered the question like, all right, well, what happens? And my argument was that 50 cent was eventually going to run into a wall where he has to encounter little Wayne. And I was confident that 50's ego was big enough for him to challenge little Wayne at the time. And had he right. beat Kanye, he would have been like, yeah, let's face Lil Wayne and the Carter three, you know, one of the biggest rap albums this century. Like. And, <laughs> and he would have got blown out of the water because whatever he came out with next was going to be a bunch of bullshit. But I made that argument and then I released it. To, um, you know, he's floating around on Twitter, but I, I'll put it out there just because I don't feel like he should have did that to me, but the top five rap website guy. Uh, I'm like, yo, can you host this? He's like, cool. Uh, he gets back to me after three months. I send it to him. We're, we're waiting and waiting and waiting. It finally releases after way too long. And, you know, I'm understanding at first because I'm like, all right, well, you know, he's busy. He's working on his own stuff. So I'm waiting for three months. And that comes out. I'm super hype because I'm like, all right, cool. I've got something out there. Then but he was like, all right, well, I split the article into two parts. And then he was like, we're going to run up the numbers on the first part. And I'm like, all right, cool. Then four months go by and I keep poking mm-hmm. like, yo, like fam, can I, can we get the second part going? He was like, the number is still going. He was like, the num-. he was like, this is the most traffic that I'm getting on the blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, all right, whatever, man. And, you know, eventually the second part comes out. But at this point, I'm, like, super deflated because I'm, like, is this seriously what the fuck happens, like, in this writing shit? And at that point, I was, like, man, I just want to get this out myself. Can we just get on with this so that I can move on to the next thing? And at that point, I was, like, well, I don't know where to release my thoughts. And for a little bit, I was, like, you know, I threw it on, like, a Google Doc, but, like, that wasn't sustainable. And I didn't know what to do. So I was kind of burnt by the writing thing, but I knew that I cared about music enough to where I wanted to express my thoughts. And then I read uh, Matt Ritchie's NCVUs. I follow him at some point. I follow Matt at some point and I read whatever comes out of there. And I'm like, yo, uh, I hit him out of random. I'm like, yo, can you can you let me write something for your blog or whatever he's like yeah cool and i'm like word and then i like write something in a few days because i worked super quick back then because i knew what idea i had and i knew how to execute upon it and then i give it to him he edits it uh like a day or two later and then he was like cool i can run this tomorrow and i was like 
what? Like, you know, I was so accustomed to waiting for months and months and months for something to come out. And right. I was like, yeah, no, I'll just, I'll run this tomorrow. And I was like, cool, keep going. And then I wrote something else for NC Views like a month or two later, but I hadn't really taken it seriously because I was like, all right, well, I don't know where this is going. And once my birthday came around, I turned uh this was 20 so I turned 19 and that day I released like I was doing playlists and shit and I released an article and you know all that came out and I was like okay you know people are really rocking with what I'm doing and then New Year's Eve that day I find out about Medium and this is when I start taking it seriously because I look at Medium Mm. like I could just put out whatever I want whenever the fuck I want to do it and then you know boom I'm like all right cool I'm gonna I'm gonna write on medium and then you know there lies the next year where I put out something you know every two three weeks right yeah and 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 yeah that's a um I actually yeah I really want to get into that but before we do I have one more question before um um um, before we move into where I think we're headed um like for you personally, like was there ever a period of time where you consciously linked like film and music together in your head? Like was there ever a point where they just kind of it was just like, oh damn, these two things inform each other? Mm. I knew that they went together with Stomp the Yard, but I didn't know how important they were until I like really paid attention. Where with music, I think about that moonlight scene where they put classic man chopped and screwed or i think about the beautiful music and all these other films and i'm like whoa this is amazing and then i would look at musicals and i'm like okay music is just as fundamental as like the storytelling part of it because you can't really communicate the feeling without music or you know the absence of music is also important so i think i think just hearing music that you rocked with on soundtracks and you see just how impactful they are. Like I think about the Boys in the Hood soundtrack, and I think about the music, the the crazy sax when uh when Ricky gets shot. I think it was the sax, but it was you know uh, yeah. when Ricky gets shot. It was like da, da, and like you know like you feel mm-hmm. the travesty of it all, and or like you'll see above the rim and you'll hear uh, Tupac's pain at. And uh, it, it comes on like two or three times in the movie. And it's probably mm-hmm. my favorite song of his, but like you hear all these songs and you're like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is amazing. Like it doesn't just have to be albums or like the Get Rich or Not Trying movie. Like that was probably the big one. Cause I was like, cool, I get new 50 cent music on this, <laughs> uh, on this movie where it's like, you know, it, the, the acting and the story i didn't really care about but like you know 50 cent was being 50 cent so yeah it's or, a 50 cent know, movie of course yeah I he it. was he was trying his hardest to be 50 cent he was yeah. trying to be it's so weird like he couldn't just be himself in the movie he had to be an actor <laughs> yeah 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 he was he he was like this was this was the first step he took before he decided to turn himself into a literal video game character with bulletproof and blood on the sand and shit so which you know like fits, this is which which fits him so much more like i don't know why when he would do movies and whatnot like he was like all right well i need to get in the character i'm like 50 this is literally you or he was like no but this is not totally my story but it's mostly you 
and these are your songs and this is more or less the same superman thing but he decided on being flat and lifeless on that movie right and then and then he was also in that home of the brave movie where um he was in that like army movie where like i think he he did something like really specific like he had like he he did like some like really specific kind of method acting that was that he thought was gonna like boost it i can't remember exactly i heard this was it the one where he's in the bed and like he like he's all skinny and whatnot I think that's yeah 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 he lost a bunch of weight I think that's what it was <laughs> and like and yeah he lost a bunch of weight and he thought that that was going to be the like he did that because he was like going for like the Christian Bale machinist type shit and everybody hated the movie it made no money and it got no awards recognition and like just it's just like for no reason right it's just like bro just go make just go make blood on the sand too like what so are you doing with so your time so he's basically the rap equivalent to Jared Leto yeah jared leto just doing shit just to do it like i i remember not liking jared leto because i watched mr nobody on netflix and that is one of the most bewildering movies i've ever seen because i'm just like weird ass movie shit because i'm like what's the point of this like he's in back in time he's an old man withering away with like weird timeline stuff that none of it ever goes together and i'm like what is happening this is a bunch of drivel i don't know why i didn't turn it off but i was like oh you know mr nobody it looked like it had some sort of purpose to it and it didn't right (laughs) yeah just to run back to the film soundtrack thing like for yeah like for me if i like i'm trying to think of like there's like a handful that i really like loved growing up that kind of gave me this feel like, like my three i would say were the digimon the movie soundtrack because yeah. that's where that's where i first fell in love with sky and th- th- like 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 the whole shit was literally just rap fat boy slim and sky and like that was my whole shit for a while it was that it was the nutty professor to the clumps soundtrack mm-hmm. that had the janet jackson song the janet jackson song the music soul child song um missing you i forget who sings it but that song and like the ll cool j joint at the end that's that's it's a great soundtrack and um uh idlewild there we mm, go that's a good one because i i don't think that i've actually ever seen that movie formally but i had always oh, got to fix it, that and I, and it's I, and so I was good like, that's what my friends said. like my best friend one of my best friends he's like yo like idlewild is that movie and he like lives he lives and dies by that album being way better than people give it credit for yeah. and i'm like okay well at some point i'm gonna give it a watch you ever you ever see harlem nights before the one with Eddie Murphy and um, Richard Pryor. Yeah, I've had that on my queue for God knows how long. I've um, I've been meaning I've been meaning to go through a lot of those uh, Eddie Murphy movies in general ever since I read a Abe Beam series on it. Mm, yeah, and also shout out to Abe as well. Um, but yeah, so like for me personally, I like them both, but I think that Idlewild is the movie that Harlem Nights is trying to be. I think I think I think it's a way more interesting movie than harlem nights personally like i love them both like please don't get it don't get it twisted i love both those movies i like Idlewild more that's just why that's wild because like you would think that harlem nights is kind of that movie considering you have two of the funniest comedians ever in it and then like it just doesn't end up it's weird because like eddie murphy had a few of those movies where he was just like like i think about life with martin lawrence and i was Mm. watching it and i was like I was thinking this was going to be funnier and it just wasn't nearly as like I was expecting belly laughs the whole way. And it was like 
weirdly serious for a lot of it. I was like, hmm, why is this movie like this? The same thing with a thousand words, the Eddie Murphy movie where he's um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but like that movie was trying so hard to be funny, but it was also just like but like, like that's such a bad concept in general. Like you give a character like you give somebody like Eddie Murphy, it was like if only got a thousand words. Should be good. Give the funny guy a thousand word limit. And then I would like you to make comment. Like he's not like like slapstick. He's not nah. like he's a funny guy, but he's not like a slapstick guy. Like Robin Williams probably could have pulled something like that off. Yeah, Eddie Murphy is a talky dude. So like, yeah, yeah no, 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 no. Because like he played Donkey and he played um the, the dragon Mushu, I think his name was. In Mulan, yeah, Mushu. Yeah, in Mulan. And like he's a talky character. So you try and take a talky person who makes all these quips and you're like, all right, I would like you to just be quiet and find this out. Like, like, he's, <laughs> like, he's, like, he's, like he's Mr. Bean or some shit. Like... Yeah, Eddie Murphy is no one's idea of Mr. Bean, or at least he shouldn't be. No. Um, that's so funny. Uh, so, yeah. So now that we covered that, let's bring it back to the writing, because um, we got to talk about this Good and the Ugly series, because, like, bro, like it's just such a, like, I remember, like, I don't remember the first one of them I saw, but, like, I love the idea of just, like, going through a year and just picking out all these songs and seeing like not just what they meant to you but like what they meant to that particular time like it's just such a dope idea to just go just 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 to just go about it for like year by year by year and not just focus on one song but just get like a handful and uh just like you get so granular with so many of these songs and so many of these eras in a way that lets people know that you like you you just take like we were talking about like taking care before and like with the passion and craft like that's where like the care and the passion and the craft come in when it comes to your writing specifically for me or, or at least it's where I first that's where I first really started to notice it so like where did that idea for the good and the ugly initially come from man well for starters I didn't expect you to ask me about that series because like it's a lot of that traction from it was very hit or miss it would either hit super hard or it be like a handful of people so it was like either niche or it was all encompassing but thank you for asking about that series because i had so much fun doing it and i think it exercised a lot of my pen and figuring out how i wanted to write uh doing that and i i clearly got so much better like the more ingrained i was in the year like 1999 was different because like people lived through 1999 more than I did and but like once I get to like 08 it's like all right like I remember where I was with each of these songs right and I guess the idea came from I was watching uh another one of my big influences in terms of like how I wanted to think about pop music was Todd in the Shadows I would watch a lot of his videos and I was like, yeah, I want to cover music, but I wanted to make it more than just like, all right, well, here's the best and here's the worst. So I was like, okay, well, I can just cover any fucking year that I want, but I can take it back to where I was born, 1999, the very end of it. So I kind of got that off on a technicality, but I was like, all right, well, let's take it to where I was born and let's move on. And we'll look at what... I wanted to look at the trends that 
went along like the further and further i got along at first it was like all right i'm covering these amazing songs and whatnot but the fur but like i noticed the trends and how it went like you eventually you get to the 2010s and you go from the big club boom at the at the beginning of it and then you get to 2014 where it's like very flat very sad which i it's still blank like i will not go on a long tangent about lord's royals but <laughs> if you know you know yeah but i Interesting like song. I, I wanted to look at the i not i wanted to not only look at the trends that went on how crunk was at that time but i also wanted to look at like all right well these songs were good to me because of x y and z or like these were how i felt about it when i was younger x y and z i wanted to look at all these songs at the core of what it was and i got so much better at it once i like really started finding my groove and i like really knew about these songs like my one of my best uh blurbs was about little wayne's lollipop and that song like fascinated me so i was like all right well why does it fascinate me and i broke it down like xyz and why it was such a strange song and like why it didn't work in its air and da, 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 da. I wanted to capture all of these songs at its core and the context around them. Yeah. And uh, especially considering where music media was at the time, a lot of these songs came out, like, especially like with like digital media still kind of finding its footing and not being the, um, it, it like it didn't have everything in a chokehold then like it did now or like yeah. it does now and uh yeah i just really love the idea of going back and kind of really putting a lens like like a mic like i forget a lens a fucking microscope on that whole specific time period um uh one of the blurbs that really st- like i don't know why but one of the ones i always remember is just like you talking about um i think it was uptown funk was it uptown funk was it up to, oh no or, or no 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 maybe it wasn't uptown funk it was something Bruno Mars though I, I I'm mm. I'm already forgetting what year it was but it was like, it was either twenty four because the ones that I remember doing for the best was um for the best side of it it was locked out of heaven and it was twenty four K magic it was twenty four K magic my fault it was twenty four K magic yeah <laughs> yeah and that like, that that one was weird because. Like, I understand people's complaints more so about, like, what Bruno Mars was doing, and I think about it, but at the same time, like, I, I look at Bruno, and I'm like, this dude's pretty harmless. Like, he doesn't come in this as the leeching type. Like, it, there's a yeah. big difference between how Bruno Mars came in and how Miley Cyrus came in in 2013. Yeah, like, it's definitely. a bit, like, Miley Cyrus was going through, like, the rebellious phase or whatever and she was still trying to find herself and da 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 but bruno mars he was like listen this is kind of what i wanted to make the whole time so he was basically like you know like a boat party type atmosphere or like yeah. the las vegas residency type shit right and, and yeah like that's cool he specializes in that and i don't understand like i never really understood why people hated it so much because i was like all these songs hit and like you can argue like okay well this is mom music but like mom music can hit too as long as yeah. as long as as long as the music's good like i'm not complaining about it. as long as you don't come through on some bs and the music's good i'm not tripping but if your music's bad and you're coming through on some bs i mean come on like that's where i look at you like how i look at logic 
Yeah, like you're ask yeah, it's like you're asking to be you're asking to get snapped on at that point. Like. Exactly. But if <laughs> but if the music's good, it's like, all right, well, you know, we may maybe we can ask some questions, but yeah. that's what I like really slaps right now. See, you know? yeah, like that's see that that was the thing with me because I learned I learned that he was Filipino. And, you know, like I obviously had questions and some things that I was thinking about. I talked about it with a lot of people like, yo, shout out to shout out to yo and my and, and my girl, Kai Miller. We talked about this a little bit, like when the when the news kind of first broke and, you know, like the music is good. Like he's not my favorite, but I'm not mad at Uptown Funk, not mad. at That's what I like. Not mad at 24K Magic. Um, I really like a lot of his uh, original well, <laughs> grenade is kind of cheesy, but I like it. You know, like oh I'm, I'm gosh. just like, see, I'm, it's, the, it's... <laughs> see, I'm the, see, I'm the opposite. I hated pretty much everything. Any original idea he had, like I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like yeah. I listened to the lazy song, and I was like, oh my goodness. This see, is... you're right. <laughs> you're right. I'm like, he. he doing the freaking teach me how to doggy with the freaking like for some reason there's people in monkey masks and i'm just like something something snuggy and i'm like what are you talking about like what purpose does this serve yeah and then i then i realized like okay well now we've got to lock out of heaven and i was like look at that some personality that's what i that's all i needed was some personality and some care in it and the with 24k magic so good because there was clearly so much fun in the song so like right. i think if you dislike that song you are inherently negative yeah you don't like fun yeah it's the same thing with uh finesse that's why i love finesse so much yeah, it's another real finesse. come on <laughs> it like, don't make no it's, it's, <laughs> it's a hit bro that's yeah. a hit like you gotta be how you go like how you gonna sit there listening to that finesse hook and you got the mean face the whole time talking about you know, you're tripping in finesse what does that even mean like you know what it means stop being grumpy i, I remember the real new jack swing like shut your dumb ass up like, like, like it wasn't even like it's so and it's not even like he's coming at it from a like a bs place like he clearly right, cares about like, it like if he didn't care about it it'd be like all right well this ain't you know, this ain't Teddy Riley or nothing. But like, right. like this ain't Teddy Riley, but this is fun. But like, if it wasn't fun, then like we can crack it all day. Like, all you got to do is just be competent at what you do. Right. And that that's with like 24K Magic. I love that song just because of the um, the voice box on it. That, that one added so much texture and so much fun to it. But I got off your point to that 24K Magic blurb. I wanted to look at it because I was completely shocked that everybody was so upset that Bruno Mars won that year. I was like, I look back on, I was like, wait, people are way more angry than I thought they were. And I was like, but this album's good. Like I, what else was nominated that year? It was Kendrick's Dam. Yeah. It was Hove's uh, 444. Four, 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 right? Yeah. It was, uh, it was 24K, Ma- 24K Magic. And then it was it's something else and then it was the lord album and i would have got it if it was the lord album though though it's good i do understand it because it's not as good as damn or 444 or 24k magic but 24k magic was a great album and it was a very fun album so i looked at it i was like why is everybody mad at it (laughs) yeah you know i might i might have been one of those people and i'm kind of glad that i cooled off in that regard but like 
you know, um, like all I'm going to say, the only other thing I'm going to say about Bruno Mars is that it makes complete sense that he would go and make a project with Anderson Pac, which is like about to happen. I don't know when they're going to drop it, but like it makes complete sense. Like they kind of, they, (laughs) they operate from the same sensibility. Even if I think uh, I've always been more impressed by Anderson than I was with Bruno Mars, as much as I like his, I, I like the stuff I like, but like Anderson was always really a lot more impressive to me, even, even considering how mid, I thought his last two projects were, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling Oxnard or Ventura like that. Ventura has more better songs on it, but like Oxnard was just like, that shit was just like an Apple commercial for like Definitely. 65 Def. minutes. And like, Definitely. yeah, fucking, fucking, fucking and Dre, Dre, Dre overmixed it. He overproduced it. It was too glossy, too clean. Like Oxnard was just a, it was a miss. It was basically what, what i imagine people thought bruno comes in and does see okay like that's that's what it sounds like to me so like you strip away a lot of uh anderson's musicality and a lot of his charm so it's basically like all right malibu is so good because you can hear where it's at but then you go to oxnard and it's like hey like why why is it so flat like this is yeah it's the difference between like a Malibu beach and like a tanning bed, maybe. Right. Yeah. No, nah, that's perfect. Like, like it's that's two different. It's two different experiences, and it's like ones you know you get more experience out of being at that beach and fe- and like smelling the ocean than being in the tanning bed and just getting burnt up. Like it's it's different. And somebody's but and somebody's spraying the fake ocean water smell. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um yeah. fuck what would uh I don't know why I completely blanked out right there. But um yeah it with Bruno and Anderson uh that album's gonna be great. It's one of the only albums that I think can touch the. It's that one and the Isaiah Rashad album that I think is mm. gonna be. Those are the ones that I think can hit uh, album of the year for me. Those are probably yeah. the only ones. You know, right now Topaz Jones has it. Right. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to. Shout out to Jersey Boy Topaz. Yeah. That that that, that album is. A- anybody who hasn't. Anybody who hasn't listened to. Go, don't go telling your mama. Go go listen to that because. I've that's... shared it. I've shared it with with so many friends, and every time, like I always tell them, tell me what you think of Black Tame. Because <laughs> everyone like, loves that song bro it's the song and i'm like listen if you're gonna push any song on there you gotta push the black thing you have to yeah, yeah and, and like it's the hook too like every er, everyone sings it like because like i ugh. really wanna be yeah. love, but like oh geez like yeah like that screams like that screams like outdoor with like it screams like outdoor function with a drink in your hand just like mm-hmm. and, and, and it's like and like and like the auntie sway like that's like uh-huh. or you like, like grab you like grab step. someone's neck like yeah uncle two step you grab someone's neck and y'all just go ah like like mm-hmm. maybe 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 not right now because of covid but like at some point like at some yeah, point no, very very <laughs> soon like everybody's yeah. eventually gonna get it and we're all gonna link and it's gonna be fun right hell yeah yeah no that's that, that's that's definitely the type of vibes we're gonna be on i'm really ex- like before um um before we move on uh i liked the bruno and or, or let me say the bruno and anderson pock song was not my favorite i thought it was fine it didn't really like move like it didn't move the needle the way black tame moved the needle for me 
Mm. Like, like it, it, like, and, and like, I love that type of music too. It's just like, it just didn't. Like, I'm excited to hear the album, but it just didn't move me to the point where I was like, yeah, this is good. Like, like, there's a, there's a video of Pharrell working with Justin Timberlake on Man in the Woods, and they're in the studio, and Pharrell looks him dead in his fucking face and says, "That right there is a smash," and like holds out the word "smash" for a long ass time. Pharrell's and such like, a fucking liar. Why are you lying? Yeah. Like that? <laughs> that, that album, that album had no hits. That album is so gross. <laughs> there's no, there's no smashes on it. I've never heard a more uncool album in like, my life, like ever. It's, 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 it's like remarkable how like it's remarkable how unhip and just like so. It's, it's like really. Mm, I don't even know. This, I, this, I don't even this know. This the same dude who made Justified 2020 Experience. Future yeah, sex love sounds like come on, you the same person, and now you making um, that like that's. Uh, I don't know that he's the same person. He's a dad now. He's a husband. Like he like, like this is definitely his like dad he, album. You know. Okay. Twenty like, okay. twenty experience though. I think he was a father then, and like I don't know people. This is weird. I didn't know that people disliked. Um, I didn't know people disliked suit and tie either, and this leads into my theory that. I think people are so vehemently opposed to suits. Like, there's nothing people hate more than being told to wear a suit. Yeah, because, like, like, I get that. <laughs> because, like, people want to wear a suit if they want to wear a suit. Like, people don't want to have to be told what to do. Come on, like, man. Like a, like, a nice tailor suit. Like, suit and yeah, tie no, is... No, sm- no. A nice suit and tie. Like, the suit and tie song is crazy. But everybody was like, man, suit and tie is corny. Da, 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 da. Like, me acting like it's classic man right now. <laughs> Come on. But, like, suit and tie. And that, like, that's the last time that he was cool and it yeah, was yeah like, i'll give you that that was the last time that he was cool that 2020 experience album and it was like ever since then it was watching the cool guy turn into a husk of himself and trying to find it again turning into a dad like i'm telling you like man in the woods is his dad album like that's the one like he literally went to go like live in a cabin in Montana with Jessica Biel and their kids, like away from civilization. Like all those songs are about like white water rafting and just like, it's dad music. I think about like in Oklahoma or like, like an Oklahoma Walmart whenever I think about Man of the Woods. <laughs> like, I think That's about some, like I think about some BS like that where like nobody lives there except for super white locals. That's like, so that's, funny. That's what I, and like them get down at the, the hoedown or whatever. Like, And like the thing that's so interesting about that album is that it's not very good, but like it's like it was being marketed as this like departure to like become this like full blown country album. And like it's not like not fully. It, it's, it's like because like he really tried to combine like the like there's definitely like country aspects to it, but like. But like the Neptunes have production on there. Like he's working with Timbo again. Like there's, you know, like there's so many musical influences that like, you know, um, Craig Jenkins, um, the really amazing writer, he um he mentioned in his review that like kind of people people putting that album off as like as like exclusively some white people shit. Like when it came to like the country affiliation was kind of fucked because it like insinuates that like black people only live in cities. And it's like, and, and, and it's like, yeah, 
you're right. At the, but like Listen, at the same look, time, if you like, in the, if you in the country, bro, like it's plenty people out in the backwoods, bro. Yeah, it's just, right. It's like, that's just where you happen to be at. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, shout, yeah, out, yeah. shout out Craig though. Like, I've been wanting to talk to him about yeah, writing me. for God knows how long. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. But yeah, like that. Yeah, like yeah, like Timberlake and Bruno Mars and Anderson Pac and that whole little like. That's just really. It's just interesting to see how like the machine, either the machine or just like time kind of like seeps into the way you create music and just like changes you like going from justified to man in the woods going from going from like, I would even go back further with Anderson to um, Venice, then to Malibu. Oh my God. Venice was so, it was such a confusing album and it has one of the worst songs I've ever heard on it. What song are we doing? It was the drugs one. Oh no. I love that song. (laughs) It was one of the ugliest songs I've ever heard in my life. I was like, this is appalling on many fronts. You heard the knowledge remix of it. Yeah. And it was better, but like, I don't know, like, it's only so many flowers you can put on a pile of shit before you realize like it's still just a pile of shit that hurts but okay it's (laughs) it's so i'm like why does this sound like this yeah like it really gave me some like voice box like vocoder vibes kind of but but like it's like if you took that voice box and you recorded it in the sewer (laughs) yeah I don't know. That shit. That shit make that. That shit gets me bucks sometimes. I don't know. Like I heard it live. I heard it live once. It probably and... works better live than it does. But like the scene, like the the audio version of it, like in the phone, like I don't know why it sounds like that. <laughs> me either. I, I I don't have an answer. I I'm I'm not I'm not even gonna jump out on a limb to defend it. But yeah, like for me, I would rather listen to an album of twelve drugs over most of Oxnard <laughs> outside of like two over like two songs that's like, interesting that, the two that kind of lead that leads into the idea like what's worse would you rather be like it would you rather be so bad that it's offensive or would you rather it be boring and right. I guess I, the time the shadows I was watching a video and he had one hell of a quote he was like I respect people who care enough about my feelings to hurt them <laughs> but the worst thing that you could do to me is bore me yeah no nah, and that's, that's... like I, I i guess like i've read i guess that's why i hate my worst albums i've ever heard are uh speeding bullet to heaven and, <laughs> Damn. and um logic supermarket Wow. Which, yeah, those are... you know, I, don't don't let me get on that tangent because I will sit up here and bash logic for fifteen minutes. I won't. Sorry. I won't disrespect the the wonderful nature of real notes and how wonderful this is. This all is by trashing logic for so long. Son, we'll do that another time. I wish I had more time to do that right now, but we just don't. <laughs> but. <laughs> Let's just end it by saying that Supermarket is fucking garbage, and I can't believe that anybody let him put that album out. Um, <laughs> bro, he put out a book for it. Like, yeah, and and the book was a bestseller. Ugh, there's just so much. 
he put that's, his weight he put his weight behind that shit like, yeah th- that's a whole podcast episode in and of itself <laughs> damn i wish um <laughs> so um the, the um uh you mentioning I can't remember what the transition I was going to do was going to be, but let's, uh, I'm going to just say it. One of my favorite pieces of writing that you've done in a while or just in general is just like, is the whole, um, when you had, when you had your father review the money bag, yo album for the column you wrote, like, it's like, yeah. you, I'm like, I'm a little biased because you kind of talked to me, you kind of talked me through the process of writing it. So I kind of watched it come to life, but mm-hmm. like, I'm a really big proponent of like bridging the generational gaps and like getting parents or like older, you know, like OGs or whoever to just like sit down and like listen to something like that and just kind of like break mm-hmm. it down and like note, you know, like influences or references and just like general like, hey, do you like this? You know, mm-hmm. like I'm 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 really big on that. I love doing that with my dad because he's 76 and he's kind of like uh, he was already a grown man when rap started. So like I, I always love kind of bringing something that reminds him of a thing that he went through and be like, Hey, this is cool. I think you'd like this. And he's like, yeah, this reminds me of X, Y, Z. So like, so like, you know, like your, um, your father had really interesting opinions about money bag, yo, and the project. <laughs> interesting is a good way to put it. Yeah. So like, I guess my question for you is like, were you surprised by the way your father reacted to all this shit or fuck? No, no, that, that money bag, <laughs> yo, is his guy. Like him and Future are his favorite rappers right now. That's pretty fire. And Future's in his like all time list. Wow. Like it, yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I can pull it up on my phone because I have his all time list. It was an article I wrote ages ago. But yeah, no, he was my pops grew up a street dude through and through. So they're. I wanted to speak to the idea that there is a tangible feeling that you get from certain artists. And I do think that there is a regional disconnect to what that means. Like, I think, so, like, you know, the streets is the streets everywhere, but there's different cultures in which you exist in the streets. Like, you know, you couldn't compare, like, my dad doesn't think Nas is real. <laughs> or, you know, he does like he doesn't think he's real at all or like right. he says that jay-z puts up a good front of realness and i'm just like dad he was uh, that i was like these details are too he was like nah but Nas was too his argument hot was not, his 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 argument was Nas was like he was too young to really live through it like that was his argument with wayne too he was like you was too young to really live this shit like you weren't <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm gonna I'm put him out there because it, I, I, it's just so, it's just so funny. Uh, it was so messed up and it was so funny. I was like, Dad, BG and Wayne weren't too far off of age. He was like, Yeah, but BG was a crackhead, and I was like, Stop. <laughs> he was, he was like, he was no. like BG, he was like BG's a crackhead, and I was like, Dad. He was like, Listen, it don't get much realer than crack, and I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Like you're not wrong, but like, damn. <laughs> he was. He, t- he said it don't get much realer than crack, and I'm like, I was like, yeah, you kind of got a point there. I mean, yeah, but like, <laughs> you don't have to say it. Like, this sounds yeah. awful. All right, yeah, I got yeah. his. I got his list right here. That's so, and like, you're this. you'll you'll li- you'll hear his list, and you're like, I right, like that makes sense with who he is. Uh, Pac, 
Jeezy, Jay-Z, because he respects his lyrical talent. Right. Um, Kanye, T.I., but, you know, I'll have to... This was back before T.I. was a sicko, uh, which I'll get, I'll get into that if you want, but, like, that really broke my heart. Yeah, um, man. Mm. It hurt my... It really just did... Uh, Scarface, Ice Cube, Snoop, Master P. His big disclaimer with Master P, not off of lyrical skill, but off his overall success and enjoyment of it, which again, real shit. Like, it's mm. that's real rap. Uh, yeah. 50 Cent, Future, Wayne, lyrical again, UGK, 8 Ball. He made sure not to include MGG, MJG on, on this because he's a big 8 Ball guy and Gucci. <laughs> Oh wow! And like That's and a... like and like you hear that list and you're like, oh yeah, like you know what kind of guy he is off that. You know what's funny? My, um, my favorite eight ball song ever is my homeboy's girlfriend. It's my favorite song and one of my favorite music videos ever. That's that song is just that song is just like Dirty Mac, Dirty Mac to the extreme. Like it's just, it's such a story. Mm-hmm. Like it, it like eight ball is such an incredible storyteller and like that beat is just so. so Ugh, like oh man like i know everybody likes to talk about it on twitter all the time but like both eight ball and mjg are just like uh like i like i don't I, I try not to use the word underrated anymore but like man they really just don't no, get the respect keep, they deserve keep, keep they really real, really don't. like I, I like i look at a lot of those artists from the south and you're like man it's not like people not gonna give that the respect it deserves like man. you know there's like like people like the common rap fan or whatever, like they'll think of the South and be like, Outcast, maybe UGK. Right. And then like yeah, maybe. You know, <laughs> yeah, like maybe UGK. But like you really think about it, like Project Pat is better than a lot of rappers that people mm. would put on that all time list. <laughs> uh coming out hard and Space Age pimping that song is better than a lot of rappers. Damn. Whole catalogs. Yeah. Uh the eight ball double album that's up there with with some of the best double albums if you ask my dad he likes it more than life after death i mean hey i mean like eight ball is a good artist to go for with that type of shit um i would i would i would love i would really love to see a general like yeah i just want more love for eight ball and mjg in particular and uh, and of course the south in general because yeah like the south really doesn't get the respect it deserves outside of like the big like outside of like you know like your, your outcasts and your ugks and then like even even today like people will look at little baby and they didn't give him the respect he deserved until mm, the picture came out talk about and, it and like th- this all leads back like i talk about like i would like to not talk about regionalism so much but it informs every bit of music that i've ever grew up on like yeah. i grew i grew up at the heart of regionalism being such a big thing like USDA album was bigger to me than you know whatever Nas came out in 06 but like I guess a difference and people were gonna look at it like oh this isn't deemed real because it doesn't follow xyz template Mm -hmm. but like a lot of this shit is realer than you'll ever imagine. Like you, you don't know these experiences because you wasn't here, but these roots always straight trace back to the South. They always trace back right. to the South. And, and, and like another question I always like to ask people, especially when it comes to like realness is like, what is real? You know? Cause I, like, ev- cause like I everyone's, 
Right. Yeah. I remember like everyone's definition of what real is, is different. And on top of that, like, it's, it's just crazy to me that like, you can look at somebody's life experience, whatever it may be, especially if it's someone from an area that's kind of uh, misunderstood and underappreciated, like, like sections of the South tend to be and just it's be like, wild. that's it's not in, real. It's, it's insane that you can put a value on that realness to begin with. You like that. Like, exactly. If, like, if you ain't if you ain't live it, then you can't re- like that's that's what I think my pops is like so strong with. Like he lived this so he can understand Master P more than he can understand fucking Kyle. Red, Not- red, yeah. <laughs> or like or like like I was gonna say like some New York rapper back then, but yeah, that works too. Like <laughs> like if you real, like you real, like you get like you gonna yeah. understand that every time. And Master P was spitting real shit. If he was yeah. from the, if he was down south, he understood that. Hell, if he was from the Bay, he repped the Bay too. If he was from the Bay, you knew what he was talking about. If he was right. from the south, you knew how crazy Project Pat was. Like, I think Project Pat is leagues better than Nas ever was. Mm. That's that's my hot <laughs> that's my hot take. Interesting. Not, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've written about Nas too, and I think. It says a lot how dicey his discography is, because like it, it's weird. It's weird the the grades in which you'll look at something because Illmatic's one of the best rap albums ever, but he's also had some of the most lifeless albums we've heard in rap, like uh, Nazir in twenty eighteen, bad, hip hop yeah. is dead, underwhelming. Yeah, and I like, want to like. Oh, go ahead. Nasir is not very good, but it's got some of my favorite Nas songs on it. Like as an album, it's not great, but I love Fried Chicken. I love uh, Queens Get the Money, which is produced by Jay Electro, uh, produced and maybe written by Jay Electronica. I can't remember. And uh, <laughs> not, not, oh, you're talking about the the untitled record? No, I was talking about. Oh, Nasir, sorry, uh, sorry, the sorry. The one in Kanye joint. The Kanye joint. My fault. My fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with with that album, it was like it's it's mixed. Like that album's it, ass. Not that, it's, it's ass. It's, it, oh yeah, that that one's really bad. But like it's so much mixed stuff. Like ever since like you leave, it was written, and the best that you'll get from Nas is good, but you'll never get great or amazing ever again. Yeah, and it's people. People argue Stillmatic, but like I've. I've always been kind of eh on Stillmatic. I like Stillmatic, but to your point about that, it's really like we were talking about with the X-Men joints. It's good enough, you know? Like, like Nas will get good enough, but never push past. Like, we're never getting another Illmatic from Nas. It's never but, happening. But, like, we'll look at, well, like, I'll look at those project, that Project Pat era, and I'm like, yeah, Ballers is wrapping circles around whatever Nas was doing back then. Mm. Like ball, like ballers is putting hit is putting what was it? I am back then, or like Nostradamus. Yeah, it was one of those Nostradamus is ass too. I can't believe yeah. that was an album. But mm. like I like I think about Mister Don't Play. I think about uh, Getty Green, and I'm like, okay, he's like better than a lot of people. I don't and blame they, you, like. Like and if you from down here, you always gonna get it. But people 
don't want to give that credit because people want to put this weird stamp on what's real as if immortal technique is that degree of realness like uh, yeah. oh man like it, it's real if it's a real like it's a real situation you're not just talking and when you hear someone like little baby when you hear someone like project pat when you hear these street dudes like you hear young boy gates all them that's yeah. real that's real music you couldn't replicate that on a whim unless you were there yeah like things things become formulas you know, yeah, like things become cliche for a reason, you know, like they don't just become cliche for for nothing. Like they have to have an impact. They have to be recognizable. They have to have a tactile, like real sense of like, hey, like this is what makes this special. Mm-hmm. Let me try to re- like like that's like that's how things become formulas, regardless of how you feel, because like I'm not a big young boy fan. I think he's kind of a monster and I don't think yeah. his music's that good, but it's real. Like, you know, like that's, you know, like I can admit that because yeah, that's, it, yeah. To your yeah. point, you can be real and not be good. Yeah. Like that's right. Like that's also fair, but right. like, he, here's the thing. Like they always, like, it's always these like weird, it's a lot of white critics, but it's a lot of people that like, it's white critics, but then there's someone like rap critic who I respect, but like, I think he misses the point with a lot of his criticisms. Like he loved bigger picture, but like, I don't know that he'll understand freestyle and how amazing that was. And mm. like, I don't know. They'll be like, Oh, he's rapping about money and bitches and cars. Like what's wrong with money? What's wrong with bitches? What's wrong with cars? Like, 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 like what are, like, what are you a caveman? You don't like money. You know, you don't like, you don't like, and like, it, it, hell, it like in the South, bitches is like that can be that is gender neutral. So like, what you don't you don't like uh you don't like intimacy with others, you don't like nice vehicles. Yeah, you, like, so yeah. so then you like exposing yourself at this point, like oh, so you just a loser. You don't like money or yeah. women, or if or if you're or if you don't like women, you don't like men either. Like you just abstinent and broke. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what you are. You just abstinent and broke. <laughs> that all reminds me of uh, um, the faux fresh vine where they're at Thanksgiving, and the guy and, and he comes and he's like, "Oh, happy Thanksgiving!" And he's like, "He's a happy. This day is about the white man slaughtering the natives." And he's just like, "You're gonna cut up that turkey though, my nigga." <laughs> like, you know? It's like it's like we you're not talk, right. like, we could, like like you're not wrong, but like we could talk about this over the food, bro. Exactly, like <laughs> like you kind of like you kind of hold me up, bro. I ain't eat all day. You talking about all this? Yeah, like no, like no, like this is the, the like this is stuff we need to think about. But let's eat. You know, like, like it's, it's there's, there's nuance in everything, and there's grayness in everything. But fam, yeah. there is food right in front of me. There is money yeah. to get. What is the problem with getting there are money cars to and drive. food right now? There are cars to drive, and there are bitches to fuck. Like, <laughs> like, come on, like we or can't homies talk. to commiserate with. Like, however you want to slice it. Like, or like, or like, <laughs> oh, they rap. Or like, oh, they rap about shooting and whatnot. And da 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 da. What I love about my dad's review of the thing is that he made a point. He was like, "What I love about Moneybag Yo is he don't shoot just to shoot. He shoot mm-hmm, at the ops yeah. specifically. He not just shooting at strangers. He got people he need to take out. <laughs> <laughs> he not just, he not just shooting the crowd. I'm like, I feel that." 
I mean, he's he's not wrong, you know. Like he's 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 true to himself. Like that's what it means to be real. Like what it means to be real is to be true to yourself. And whatever that means, like whether that means whether that means you're shooting at the ops, whether that means you're on the road looking for women in cars, or if that means that you're a dork who raps about Super Smash Bros. Like they're all real. Like that's listen what you, realness listen, if, is. If you want to be broken abstinent, be broken abstinent. But you yeah. should be try, but you but if you trying to like hate on others for trying to get money and trying to fuck out here, like you just a loser. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, you, like you hating because people aren't measuring up to your objectively lame standard. But I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a time and a place for everything is basically what it is. You know, like it's it's just all of all of this screams. I don't get bitches is what it is. Like I did all this articulating. Hey, I did all that articulation <laughs> and whatnot just to say y'all don't get bitches out here. Hey, man. So y'all don't get it. <laughs> oh damn i mean once again not wrong <laughs> shit um i got maybe i got one maybe two more questions for you before we wrap this up um so you know like music the music the music industry is probably one of the busiest sections of this entire like big conglomerate independent type big mix of everything happening in the world of entertainment it's a lot i didn't mean to say it like that that was not very articulate <laughs> but whatever i don't care um so like music is music is really busy there's tons of shit coming out at any given point like artists drop every day like not even like on just tuesdays or fridays like artists drop whenever you know like yeah. somebody could drop at 3 3 45 tomorrow morning if they wanted to somebody's like, like, probably dropping right now probably son like i don't know who it is but like someone's someone's about to put out either some like someone's about to put out some heat at like 304 est like so like i know like, just for you like as a writer and as someone who's kind of taking in um influences from music and film and just like being out in the world like how how do you manage to cut through the noise and find things that kind of connect with you? Like, is that a thing that you're, I mean, like it's, it's, it's a thing that we're all specifically looking for, but like, do you feel like you do that enough? Is that like something that's like, yeah. That's a good, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think it helps just to have a circle of people that you can trust in terms of like what's good and what's not. And like, if you don't have those people around you, you're just gonna be listening aimlessly to what could be just a bunch of mid. Yeah. So I think that's I think that's the big thing, just the communal, just the communal aspect of it. Just you know, having people that can tell you like, hey, this is what's popping, or like, if you just randomly find something on YouTube, you can share that accordingly, or right. you know, something sends something to you. Like these are all music's a big. A communal thing and if you aren't sharing it then you're kind of aiding to the detriment of music and music media because we're gonna just be spinning circles like this is on twitter people will talk about stupid shit like the drake and push a tv like i don't listen to anything else like this is all y'all <laughs> want to talk about like still like, <laughs> like still like like this is like the the barbershop conversations was like yo who's the greatest rapper alive who's better lebron or mj like we could talk about more than that i hope yeah. you know that like there's more there's more to talk about 
that's when that's when I think people will look at it like, oh yeah, music media is dying. Like, no, music media is not dying. It's just the desire to look for more is dying because there's just so much. All of this is so overwhelming that people feel obligated to either not listen to it at all or they need to listen to everything. And people are like, oh, this is too much. I'll just whatever pops in is fine. But like people's desire to search is so much less, which is like, I get it. But at the same time, it's like, you never know what's going to pop. Like I would not sit here having my favorite artist being my favorite rapper producer combo being Tony Snow and Cash Cash. Like those are the guys and I rock with plug music and that wouldn't happen if I wasn't searching and I wasn't you know, looking to others that are within the community and wanting to share that. Right. And yeah, you know, like you see so many people talking about the same thing. It's kind of, it, it just kind of makes you feel like you have to talk about that in order to be heard. And you don't necessarily, like, I mean, like, I guess in a sense you do, <laughs> but like, you know, like that's not, like you said, that's not where the conversation should, should end, you know, like it's yeah. it, it, like, there's so much more to see everywhere. Like there's treasure everywhere. And, you know, like you just, um it's just like a, yeah a, it's just important to have those people in your corner for sure there's just you know like if you care about something you should always talk about it like we don't have to sit here and talk about shit that don't matter like i'm not going to talk about drake and jay-z catalogs every three weeks like it's just, it kind of bores me after a while like bro i listened to this new album like we wouldn't sit here and get estg or we wouldn't sit here and get someone like Tony Snow. All the, mm-hmm. or we wouldn't get someone like Topaz Jones if we weren't looking for it. If people that didn't have the desire to share with others, like we would just sit here spinning our wheels. That, that's why, like, I find, like, oh yeah, the big three is Drake, Kendrick, and J Cole. One of those people did not drop. He has not dropped in four years. So why is he at the top three? when hell like if you want to keep it mainstream future drops every year future's better than j cole future's you know future drops more than kendrick so like why isn't he there or like you know it's people that we listen to like why can't these things be subjective why do we have to keep this weird objective sense of like oh these are the biggest people in right who gives it like i don't i talked about this the other day like i don't I don't feel obligated to stay within mainstream media when I could just talk about what I care about. Same right. thing with underground, same, same thing with underground artists. Like I don't have to care about every underground drop. Like, right. I, like if rock, like if rock, Marci- like if rock Marciano drops, I'm excited and I want to hear it, but I'm not like pressed for rock Marciano music. Whatever comes to me, comes to me. And if the music's good, the music's always going to be good. Right. And maybe that maybe that's kind of jaded and cynical, like oh, like you're not excited for anything anymore. I'm excited for everything because there's new music everywhere. All you have to do is be receptive to it. There's treasure everywhere. That's exactly it. Like it's you know, um, it's just it 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 just takes work to not be jaded and just like have that balance too. Because like that's it's 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 re- it's really like it's really like the difference between. Or, or, or not the difference, but it's just like having a balanced musical diet is really cool. 
um, whether that's, you know, whether that be like mainstream versus underground or rap versus R&B versus rock versus jazz versus whatever, yeah. you know, like, I, like I, I guarantee you people wouldn't talk about Drake Scorpion so much if they had other songs to listen to. Like, <laughs> you know, I, like, gar- I guarantee you we wouldn't sit here talking about J. Cole. Like J. Cole's album just released not too long ago. Mm-hmm. I have not thought about that album since it came out because yeah, I've me- got other things to listen to. Like outside of reading Alphonse's review, shout out to Alphonse over at Pitchfork. Like outside of reading his review, I haven't thought about that album in like a couple of days. You know, I, I, I don't I don't care. Like it, exactly like we don't have to, I don't have to care about everything, but like I'm also receptive to anything. Like at the I, least that I could do, like I want J. Cole to be good and to entertain me. But like I feel like I've kind of outgrown it. Like this yeah. is this is very much like my career grinding music. Like I need to get my VC up type music. Like it's, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's 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 whatever, man. Like it's it's fine. And if Jake like if J. Cole is the only thing that happens out of the mainstream this year, I'm fine because there's so many other drops. I'm yeah. not I'm not chained to the idea that mainstream music has to be great in order for music to be worth something. Mm that's a word but then you know you say that as you know it's 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 a hundred percent true i agree with you a hundred percent but then kendrick's gonna drop and then we're gonna have this whole conversation all over again (laughs) i guess that i guess that's the difference between like i might get spicy here for a minute but like this is the difference between a drake and a kendrick and a j cole like drake and kendrick clearly have way more value than what j cole says Mm. i mean that's just like people like people will put the the hype around it because he has the level to do so but a kendrick album is great enough for it to like damn is great enough to survive longer than the bubble it it can expand farther than just the week in which we talk about it he won a Pulitzer for it. Like, end of story. Case closed. Or like, like, or like maybe if you didn't love Drake's Scorpion, like, I think it's kind of whatever, but it has individual songs that can survive longer than the lifespan of what I think the offseason is going to be, which is like, it's fine. It's two songs on there that I think are genuinely outstanding. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of whatever. And then, yeah, the rest of it's going to be on NBA highlight reels. And that's cool. Yeah. And that's, that's cool. Like it'll, it'll survive as long as, you know, as long as you're in that, but like, you know, it's the difference between Drake and Kendrick and J Cole is what I'm saying. Like there's, there's a tangible difference and which is why I think future should take that J Cole spot personally, because he drops Mm. every year and almost every time it's a ton of hits on there like high off life was whatever but the year before but 2019 the wizard fantastic or yeah pretty pretty not not my favorite but pretty good pretty good or like or like 2017 he'll drop three classic like (laughs) 2017 he dropped three classic future the self-titled record yeah that had feds did a sweep on it out of time uh high demand mask off 
Hendrix, Aye. Fresh Air, My Collection, Never Miss Loss, Coming Out oh, Strong. Man, Never Miss a Loss is my favorite song. <laughs> or Super Sli- Super Slimy, Killed Before, Real Love, Three, uh, On Gang. Like, it's so much stuff on there. And, and it's then, all great. And then that's not even talking about the three the three project run he went on from 56 Nights to Beast Mode. To like, it's, it's like, easy. <laughs> like he does, th- he does this not only better than J. Cole, but he does it more consistently than him. J. Cole does aspirational stuff. And maybe I'm just kind of past that because I am aspirational, but I am also like, I have other things that give me more drive. Like if I'm, J. Cole always feels like he has something to prove. I feel like I have something to prove, but I am, my value is not diminished by others reception of me i think the free i think the freer and more comfortable j cole is the better his music is which is why the best stuff on for your eyes only change neighbors for the self-titled song those are his best songs because that's him at his freest yeah and that's kind of that's what he was trying to get with the off season and it just didn't really hit in the way that no, I thought it needed it, to. So. It just sound it sounded like he was trying to do something that everything else, that everybody else was doing. Yeah, and like, like he was trying to keep I, up with the if, kids, in particular. Like, if I needed someone to do that, I would go to them. But you yourself have a unique voice. You yourself are always going to have your own experiences, so you should communicate them effect, effect, effectively. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you should. You should communicate those well, and you should be yourself the whole time, which is why I've always wanted him to either embrace the more Southern aspects of it, because Big Crit, who is who does all of J. Cole's stuff way better than him because he has way more personality. He's got way more Southern flavor to it. But J. Cole decides to dilute it down because he doesn't want to embrace that. Um, <laughs> or like Odyssey, who is also like J. Cole. They make, like you said, you said you told me this was a good word vibrant is how i would describe odyssey yeah and that's real like grown man shit and like he's you know that's like that's like dad music yeah but it's but but it's it's not but it's not corny yeah exactly it's not corny like like it's got a lot of life to it like odyssey Mm -hmm. odyssey makes refreshing music j cole puts out stuff that i feel like i can get out of like Nick Grant is someone that I think has a lot in common with J. Cole. They mm-hmm. are probably like their voices are so perfectly concrete, but they aren't transformative. And right. J. Cole, yeah. J. Cole, J. Cole makes good to serviceable music. Drake and Kendrick make transformative music. Big Crip makes transformative music. Yeah. Odyssey is refreshing. There's a difference yeah. between transformation and being just good. Yeah, and mm, I don't have anything to add to that. Like you, you just, you just, you just hit the nail right on the head. Especially when it's just like with with, with the crit and Odyssey shit too. Like yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's that's really it. I man, I wish we had more time to talk. But like, wow, this was like we went for almost like I think we went for like a solid two hours. <laughs> shit, son. Wow. So yeah, I, you, listen, I, listen, I told you to brace for a long conversation. You did. You did. <laughs> no, man, I was not. I was looking forward to this. And this is this is pretty much exactly what I thought was going to happen. And I'm like, yeah, like you, you, you exceeded my expectations, bro. This was great. 
Listen, and content I, king, podcast king. We in the building. We do this. <laughs> no, nah, I'm gassing. I'm gassing. But it's fun, though. Yo. Nah, man. Thank you for even taking the time. Like, I really appreciate you. Just, this is like, something you know, that I wanted to do. This ain't, like, something that I felt, like, obligated to do. This is something that I wanted to do. And I was like, cool. I'll wake up at 10 a.m. and I'll knock this out. Hell yeah. Well, man, I appreciate you more than you know. Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far. And shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.